Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Do you have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, welcome, all my power partners. This is our informational playground, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We are coming to you live on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. And this show is brought to you by Be the Star You Are Charity. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan. And I'm not feeling like partying so much today because there just seems that there's so much turmoil in the world and so much sadness going on. I was talking to Matt off the air, and I'm just very, very heartsick over what has happened in Las Vegas, and I want to send my sincerest condolences to families, friends, and anyone who was affected by this terrible shooting, this really, this another disaster. And of course, I think it affects everyone, whether you know anyone or not, because where are we safe today? There seems that there's just too many crazy people out there and too many people that want to do us harm. So hang in there, everyone. Look for the light. Take a deep breath. And let's just hope and pray and think positive thoughts that all of this uh, chaos and calamity will soon stop between the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the wars and and watching the Vietnam War, Ken Burns' great documentary, it's a wonderful documentary, but it's just so sad to think what has happened over the years. Anyway, we'll get back to our show. We do have a miracle moment for today, and that miracle moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, and that miracle moment is from Lao Tzu. When you realize that nothing is lacking, the whole world belongs to you. So let's look for the abundance and look for the whole world. And remember to make a donation to Be The Star You Are because we are working on hurricane relief, not just for Harvey, but for Maria and for Irma. We're going to do as much as we can for everyone um, that we possibly are able to. So in this show today, what we're going to be talking about is uh, mind over diabetes can your brain and positive thoughts actually help with warding off or controlling diabetes because stress and anxiety really contribute to that. We'll bring you some new research on that. 
One of the most important things I think that will happen in today's show is about your emergency financial plan. If a calamity happened to you, as it's happened to so many people now on our planet, are you ready? We never know when a disaster is going to turn our lives upside down. But having a plan for your money as well as for your life is going to help you navigate those muddy waters. And then in our final segment, we'll spin it up and we'll make it a little bit happier. And we're going to talk about the grape harvest because it is harvest time. People um, and farmers around the nation are harvesting their grapes. Fall ushers in the picking of the grapes to make that wine that we all enjoy. So we'll learn a little bit about the history of California vineyards. And then let's all raise a glass for a sip of the nectar of the gods as well as giving a positive thought to whatever can happen. And I think I failed to give out the website for Be The Star You Are, and that is bethestarur.org, bethestarur.org. Uh, there is no that in that in bethestarur.org. If it's easier for you, you can just go to our abbreviation, the letters for the name of the website, and that is just btsya.org. So talking about mind over diabetes, the ability to tune out our distractions and our negative feeling, you know, feelings that we all have, uh, cognitive traits, psychologists call inhibition, can mean less anxiety in your everyday life. So now we know that it may also protect you from developing diabetes. That means being able to turn out, turn out, tune out all those negative things that are happening. I'm having a hard time this week tuning out that negative feeling, I have to tell you. But we have to really work on that. And so um, if you can have that ability, maybe by doing a meditation or a mantra, if you have diabetes or are pre-diabetes, it may help you manage it And this is one psychological trait that you can change. So we can change our bad news that comes in to good news for us. So we have to spin it. Obviously, sometimes it can take a little little bit of time. But we're going to try to fight diabetes in our mind. So distracted thinking, anxious feelings, and blood sugar, what do they have in common? Well, all the new research isn't the first to show that stress and anxiety can increase the risk of developing type 2 diabetes, as well as we know stress and anxiety leads to a lot of other health problems. But how precisely it can happen, we can point to some effective mind-body treatments. Now, the key cognitive trait that is linked to increased diabetes risk in the new study is low inhibition. That's sometimes called attentional control. It's a necessary coping skill. It's the ability to control your attention, to control your behavior, and to ignore all those distracting negative thoughts and emotions that happen to us throughout the day. And I want to emphasize, it's those negative emotions that can really lead to increasing our blood sugar and increasing our stress levels and increasing our anxiety. So people with poor inhibition tend to respond impulsively and they're easily distracted by all those, you know, horrid, awful, anxious thoughts. They also tend to have poor coping skills, including the poor ability to respond to new challenges with flexible problem solving. What happens with poor coping 
it increases your anxiety. And so it's just a vicious cycle. It just goes round and round and round and round. So one way psychologists test inhibition is to ask people to say go, that's G-O, when a computer screen flashes with a red sign and stop when it flashes green. Now, that's just the opposite of what we would think, right? For most of us, green is go, red is stop. Now, what that requires is tuning out that distraction of all our ingrained habits. Again, with us thinking go is green and stop is red. So people with a low inhibition, they'll take longer to respond and then they'll make more mistakes. Researchers at several American universities hypothesized that this inhibition slash anxiety connection might affect your diabetes risk. So what they did is they enlisted 832 midlife men and women, the average age was about 57, who had already taken a battery of psychological tests, and they also had blood tests that measured their inflammation and their blood sugar. Now, inflammation is a key driver of diabetes. So when individuals are stressed or anxious or depressed, your inflammation goes up. And the inflammation marker which is called interleukin-6 or IL-6, it's also a marker for stress. And it's also linked to higher insulin levels, which set the stage for insulin resistance and, of course, eventually diabetes. The blood sugar marker was hemoglobin A1C. Now, that's a measure of blood sugar over the past two or three months. So what were the results? After adjusting for other variables... People with a low inhibition compared to those with a high inhibition, they had more anxiety symptoms. They had higher levels of the IL-6, which is that interleukin-6. They had higher levels of hemoglobin, which is the A1C. And they had a greater incidence of type 2 diabetes. So the novel part of the study was establishing that pathway from inhibition to anxiety to inflammation to diabetes. Now, interestingly, people in the study who scored low on other cognitive tests, such as memory, did not have elevated levels of anxiety or inflammation or blood sugar problems. In the full statistical model, it became clear that it was exceedingly improbable that it was just blood sugar problems or just diabetes itself that had caused the inhibition or the anxiety to go up. So in the process, they found that it, it went the other way. Inhibition led to anxiety, that led to inflammation, that damaged the blood sugar level, and that contributed to diabetes. So the conclusion, low inhibition is an independent risk factor for diabetes. So aside from contributing to an increase in inflammation, low inhibition often leads to poor lifestyle choices. So people with poor inhib- inhibition are they're less likely to eat healthy foods. They're less likely to exercise or to stick with, you know, a healthful wellness type of diet and they don't get enough sleep. So tackling that particular psychological trait can be a key to unlocking a bounty of health inhibitions. So if you want to strengthen your inhibition, you want to have a high inhibition, what can you do? So if low inhibition is a psychological trait that, can have its origins in childhood. So it may not be something that you're going to be able to change, you know, with a snap of your finger. But you can change. 
And the benefits of your health and your well-being are going to be remarkable. So we have some first steps that you can do. And the first step is to recognize whether you have low inhibition. And that will show up in different ways. So let's look at the red flags. Now, um, ask yourself these questions. What Are you able to stop yourself from... One, thinking excessively about something stressful. Now, today, I'm really not able to stop myself. So today, my inhibition would be low because these this Las Vegas has really affected me, and I know I just have to work through it. Number two, are you not able to stop yourself from restricting yourself to only certain activities because of fear or anxiety? For example... Um, I went hot air ballooning last week. It was great. I love it. I do not have any fear of heights. I have jumped from airplanes. I've been a skydiver. But people in the hot air balloon had a fear of heights, yet they did it. So that was a good thing. They moved past their fear. Are you unable to stop yourself from saying things before thinking? You know, it seems the president of our United States does that a lot. (laughs) He acts impulsively. That's another red flag. Are you not able to stop yourself from acting impulsively? What about engaging in high-risk activities? Now, we're not really talking about sports so much here, but we are probably talking about more high-risk activities like unprotected sex or using drugs, that kind of thing. And going further, are you not able to stop yourself from engaging in those behaviors that you don't want to do, such as drinking too much, eating too much, smoking, or again, indulging in drug activity? So you can address these red flags using a number of techniques. The first one would be mindfulness. Now, that's a mindfulness-based stress reduction therapy. It really can help you stop being distracted by stressful thoughts about what happened in the past or what might happen in the future. In mindfulness therapy, you're taught to keep your attention on the present. Training teaches you to detect and reduce distracting and stressful thoughts. Now, some therapists teach this mindfulness, but you can try to just do it on your own. I mean, there are books and websites and DVDs and CDs, and there are even seminars that you can take. Obviously, if you seek out a professional, you'll get some one-on-one training and you might have a a nice structure that you can deal with. But don't think that that's a necessity. I mean, if you just decide to meditate every day and think on a positive thing, you will be able to do some mindfulness. Another one is cognitive behavioral therapy. That's a type of talk therapy. It's shown to be really effective for many anxiety disorders. And it is especially helpful with strengthening your inhibition. So the goal of cognitive behavioral therapy is to learn how to change your negative thought patterns and to modify how you cope with stressful situations and turn things into positives. So it's like claiming, reframing, and then naming it. So you can reduce your stress and your body's response to it. And then you can more easily avoid those behaviors, such as impulsive eating or smoking or whatever it is, that would increase your risk for diabetes. And when you reduce your anxiety, you reduce your physiological inflammatory responses as well. And as we know, inflammation is a cause of many, many illnesses. Now, there's also the ADHD connection. 
If distractibility and impulsiveness make you think of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, you probably are on the right track. So many people have low inhibition and anxiety without developing ADHD. And it's known that people with ADHD do tend to have low inhibition, however. So they are more susceptible to chronic diseases. But until now, researchers were just assuming that those increased disease risks were related to the fact that people with ADHD are more likely to smoke or abuse alcohol or overeat. But new research is suggesting there's a uh, physiological component. So... Again, if you might think that you have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, you probably want to see a a physician or a psychologist to get a diagnosis. Don't try to diagnose yourself. So there are stimulant drugs that are used for ADHD, and they may strengthen inhibition, but it's worth noting that non-drug approaches, including what I was just telling you about with the cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness therapy, they can be just as effective. And I'm a big person in like, don't use drugs. I mean, if you can, don't even take aspirin if you can. Now, the big picture, the new research on your mind and diabetes is a fascinating window into one way the mind can influence the body. It's not the only way, obviously. There's other ways that stress and anxiety can promote diabetes. And anything you can do to reduce your overall stress levels are going to reduce your risk of any kind of health illness as well as diabetes. Uh, The ancient Chinese mind-body practice of uh, Qiyong, which gently exercises the bodies that calms the mind, Tai Chi is another way. All of these have been shown to reduce stress and reduce blood sugar. Exercise is so important for preventing diabetes and reducing anxiety. And, you know, you can always just uh, check out other stress-busting strategies, whether it is swimming or going in a hot tub or taking a walk or going out into nature. But there's many, many things you can do. And the key is, is that we really do want to avoid diabetes or at least control it because it has become an epidemic here in the United States. So when we come back from break, we're going to talk about disaster planning and how to build a financial emergency kit, which we probably all need. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. Stay with us, grab a cup of tea, and we'll be back in just a bit. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. 
This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAE639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save $20 today with coupon code VAE639 at Freshly.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. It seems that all of us are talking about natural disasters these days with all of the natural disasters that have been happening in the last, you know, couple months here between fires and earthquakes and hurricanes and cyclones and floods. It's really been a very difficult and challenging time for so many people in so many areas. But one of the things that we fail to think about is How do we prepare for a natural disaster financially? How do we build that financial emergency kit? And I found just an incredible article that really was a wake-up call for me that Schwab had issued. And I thought I would share some of the points with it because, you know, when there is a natural disaster, it doesn't give you any time to prepare And that's why it's a good idea to put together a financial emergency kit ahead of time. Just like we make a kit, you know, of blankets and food and water and first aid kit and, um, uh, you know, tape and flares, candles, batteries, all those kinds of things. If it was to happen, uh, something was to happen and we needed it for our house or for our car, We also need to know what we're going to do about money. So if a calamity strikes, having access to your needed financial resources can make it easier to focus on what's more important. And of course, that's always going to be you and your family's physical safety. Now, finances are only a part of an overall disaster plan. And if you don't have a general disaster plan, you definitely want to make a plan. And a a great place to do that is to go to the Department of Homeland Security. It's um, Homeland Security. It's a .gov website. 
And that site has a detailed guidance on preparing for all kinds of emergency and can help you craft a plan to keep your family safe. But once you've got a general disaster plan in place, then you can start thinking of your financial emergency kit. And the form it takes is obviously up to you, but whatever you choose, make sure that you keep it in a secure yet easily accessible place. So first of all, let's talk about safeguarding your kit. Consider storing paper copies of important documents in a fireproof and a waterproof box or safe. And you might want to put it with a trusted friend or a lawyer or in a safe deposit box. Now, if you want to uh, put it in a safe deposit box, you probably should check with your bank to confirm who else is going to be allowed to access your safe deposit box if you should become unable to do so. And I know that I keep all my papers in a safe deposit box at the bank as opposed to in any uh, other spot. But it is probably a good idea to maybe trade papers with someone that you trust. Now, electronic copies of important documents could be stored in a password-protected format on a removable flash drive or an external hard drive in your fireproof or waterproof box or safe, or on a secure cloud-based storage server. Uh, The only thing, if it is going to be on the Internet or on a cloud base, is just remember that if your computer is damaged, if your electrical power is out, or your mobile phone service is interrupted, you might not be able to get any access to your your cloud-based copies. So for that reason... It's always a really good idea to have a paper backup of everything. Now, here's what you're going to need. At a minimum, your disaster kit needs to include these items. Number one, personal identification. After disaster, everyone in your household may require proof of identity to obtain any disaster relief services or even regain access to your property. You may also need ID to access your financial assets or even to file an insurance claim. Essential documents could include extra originals or copies of driver's license, birth certificates, adoption papers, child custody documents, marriage licenses, social security cards, passports, nationalization Uh, documents or current military ID or military discharge papers. If you have a pet, you might want to have proof of ownership, like tag numbers, microchip information, and definitely photos of you and your family members with a pet in case it gets lost. Now, one thing you could do is with your cell phone is you could take photos of all of these documents or any of these documents, include them in your, uh, you, you know, in your iCloud or your photo, or you could print them out that way and then keep them in a safe deposit box or another safe area. The next thing is cash, and a girlfriend and I were just talking about this, about how in her car she has a, a, a safety kit and she keeps a backpack with all of her you know, emergency stuff in case of an earthquake or whatever because most of us are working, most of us are on the road and a disaster can 
happen at any time. It doesn't happen just when we're at home, you know, sleeping or on a Saturday or Sunday. We may be on the freeway. When the last earthquake occurred here in 1989, and that was our big Prima, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Loma Prieta, which was a really devastating earthquake. And usually San Francisco is just about an hour from where I live, but it took over 12 hours to get home, had to cross San Francisco, go through fires and the Merida district. All the gas stations were down. There was no electricity. You know, the roads were, there was like gas shooting out of, and uh, gas, and water pipes broken. Roads were like, some of them were lifted 12 feet. It was just horrendous. And so you're not going to be able to stop and make a phone call. You're not going to be able to go and buy something with a credit card. You're not going to be able to get gas. So you want to be able to have some cash on you. And that's something that I just never carry. But ATMs and credit card uh, readers may not work for several days after a disaster. So keep your car filled with gas. I mean, keep it on full. Don't let it go to half or quarter. And consider keeping enough cash on hand that you might be able to cover some food, lodging, gasoline, even other necessities for a few days at least. And if you're keeping emergency documents in a safe deposit box, maybe also keep a spare key to that box in the kit that you keep at home. Besides having a small amount of cash readily available, it's probably a good idea to plan to encompass an emergency fund that ideally can cover three to six months of essential living expenses. Now, that could be held in a savings account or other cash equivalent investment that is relatively safe and liquid. I'm, you know, I don't know what would, would happen, but hopefully, if you have uh, your money in a bank account or a financial institution, they would be able to access things within a few days. But you probably would have to have a few days of um, of cash on you. And then contact information. Do you have a list of, in case of emergency, telephone numbers? email addresses, or other means of connecting with people you may need to reach in an emergency. It could include family, neighbors, employer, landlord, mortgage company, insurance agent, your banking institution, your attorney, if you have a broker, a financial advisor, and you may want to have any of your financial people have up-to-date information for you possibly including a designated secondary or emergency contact. And then important financial documents. We all have a lot of those. They could be your rental agreements, your mortgage documents, your property deeds, insurance policies, legal documents that are related to powers of attorneys. It could be um, wills, medical directives, trusts, it's a good idea to keep recent copies of your bank, retirement, and investment accounts. Uh, They can serve as proof of account ownership as well as a record of account numbers, routing numbers, and institution contact info in case funds need to be transferred. Your tax returns from the previous three years might be required to apply for any loans or to qualify you for any income-based assistance. Now, usually if you have an accountant, your accountant keeps uh, those on file too, but we don't know what's going to happen 
to their offices. So keep those, you know, keep those in a safe place. And keep copies of medical documents, such as your physician contact information, insurance ID cards, uh, if you are on Medicaid or Medicare, and very important, all your current prescriptions. Uh, Again, we don't know how anything is going to work in this technological-based era. If, If power goes down and nobody can get their power back up, like we're seeing what's happening in Puerto Rico, I believe as of this morning, there were still 93 or 97% of the country were without electricity. That's huge, you know, and it's been a couple of weeks without fresh uh, water and getting the roads to get things there. So you do have to know what you need and have and be prepared that you're going to have to survive on your own and with your neighbors for a bit of time. Also take inventory of your belongings. Now, this is probably secondary, but in the case of a loss, having a record of what you own will help you maximize the benefit from any insurance policy, and it will definitely speed the insurance claim process. Now, your record could be a list of items. It can be photographs. It can be video, and it can be a combination of all three. You can take close-up photographs of valuables such as jewelry and watches, uh, small electronics, and if there are serial numbers, include those. If you have receipts for expensive items like furniture, computers, television, save those. Maybe keep one file with all these expensive things and keep the receipts because if you have replacement cost and you have the receipts from these and they show, you know, it shows what you had, you will get it replaced. And of course, things go up with time. Prices don't tend to go down, they tend to go up. And um, I think an easy way, again, is to take your smartphone, go throughout your house or your apartment, and take a video. And then take close-ups of things that are very important to you. I do know that when I had my flood recently, having photographs and having some detailed records helped a lot. Uh, it, it still took months and months. I think it was eight or nine months before we were back to normal, but it could have been much longer. So this is another good thing to do. It's a good time to review what insurance coverage you have. If you are a homeowner, in homeowner's insurance typically doesn't cover flooding and it doesn't cover earthquakes unless you buy extra insurance. Now, we talked about this already on another show, but I do think it's worth going over again. You want to make sure you have enough insurance just to cover what you currently own and be aware of deductibles and other exclusions from any insurance coverage. It Sometimes, you know, if you have disaster coverage, which is what I have, I have a very high deductible. So my deductible is $10,000. So I don't claim anything that goes wrong unless it's really, really major. But if you can't afford a deductible of $10,000, you better look at that. Like, I I can't afford earthquake insurance because the deductible on earthquake insurance is fifty dollars or $75,000. Well, I can't, you know, that's just too high at this point. Obviously, if your whole house is gone... Um, You know, that's a different story. But in any case, so look at your deductibles and exclusions because sometimes that insurance can be very tricky. Now, that's just an overview of items that can help you get started in the recovery process after 
a disaster. So your financial plan could include many more depending on what you and your family need. And again, um, there's always financial preparedness at Department of Homeland Security's website. So you can get just a lot of information. And I do think it's a great idea to go there and see, you know, see what it is that you can do to help yourself be more prepared. But but one of the things definitely to think about, and so many of us just don't think about it today because it's, you know, if you're like me, you may not carry cash, is just to have a, at least a little bit of cash in that piggy bank. Now, I am at the Homeland Security uh, website right now, and it's at www.ready.gov forward slash financial and then hyphen preparedness. And it has just some really good things. And I'm going to just read to you a few things that are at this website before we go to break. It says, Americans at all income levels have experienced the challenges of rebuilding their lives after a disaster or other emergency. Having access to personal, financial, insurance, medical, and other records is crucial for starting the process of recovery quickly and efficiently. Taking the time now to collect these secure critical records will give you peace of mind and in the event of emergency will ensure that you have the documentation needed to start the recovery process without delay. And I am reading you from the Homeland Security. So here are the things they are recommending. Gather your financial and critical personal household and medical information. Save money in an emergency savings account that can be used in a crisis. Keep a small amount of cash at home in a safe place. It's important to have small bills on hand because ATMs and credit cards may not work during a disaster when you need to purchase necessary supplies such as fuel or food. Obtain property, homeowners, and renters, health, and life insurance if you do not already have them. Review your existing policies for the amount and extent of coverage to ensure that what you have in place is what's required for you and your family for all possible hazards. Homeowners insurance does not typically cover flooding, as I already said uh, in in my um, segment. So you may need to purchase flood insurance from the National Flood Insurance Program. And then, again, there are more financial preparedness things in emergency financial first aid kit that you can get there. So at home, you want to use these guides. You, again, make sure you have your photo ID to prove identity of your household members. Make sure you have a birth certificate to maintain or reestablish contact. Your social security card to apply for FEMA disaster assistance. And most of us don't carry that. In fact, we're not supposed to carry it with you, but maybe that's you keep it in your safe deposit box. Uh, Your pet ID uh, tags. Any housing payments to identify financial records, insurance policies, sources of income to maintain payments and credit, tax statements to provide contact information for financial and legal providers, and then your medical information. You need your physician's information to provide doctors with health info, copies of your health insurance cards, any immunization records. And if you haven't filled those out, you can get uh, free records at um, you know, like CVS or Walgreens or any place that you do those. Fill them out and make sure that your doctors have those records and records of your medications. And then 
Uh, household contact info should be your banking, your insurance agent, your health professionals, service providers, and if you are a uh, go to church or a temple, make sure you have your uh, place of worship. And you can also get uh, benefits electronically, but just remember. Disaster can disrupt your mail service for days or weeks. So if you're depending on Social Security or any other regular benefits, switching to an electronic payment is pretty simple, and that might be a better way to go. And um, the U.S. Department of Treasury recommends two safer ways to get federal benefits, and that is direct deposit to a checking or savings. Federal benefit recipients can sign up, and they can call 800-333-1795. Or they can use Direct Express prepaid debit cards, and that's another way. So I hope that uh, this has been helpful for you. Again, you can go to the um, Homeland Security, and the website I was just talking about was ready.gov forward slash financial hyphen preparedness. So let's be prepared not only for our health and safety, but also for our finances, because Maybe having our finances, it's what's going to keep us healthy and safe. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a bit, and we're going to lighten it up because we're going to go into the vineyard for a grape harvest. And there's just nothing better than eating some fresh grapes and then enjoying a glass of vino. So I'll grab my glass. You grab yours. And let's just uh, have a little fun and a little laughter coming right up on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you for being with me. Stay here. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Owners of small businesses know well what most executives from big companies never learn. When you start a new company or you work for a small firm, you have no one to delegate to and instead must do all the work yourself. You must focus on every sale more intensely because a sale means survival. The best leads are those that identify the decision makers in a company. Find out what motivates them, what their passions are, and to find a form in which you're able to meet them personally. Enlist their loyalty to your product. If you can't find the boss, find an angel or someone who would like to use your products and is willing to pitch it to the powers at the top. Share your prospects and passions and respect their time. When accounts are thanking you for selling to them, you will know you've mastered the art of selling. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com. Or you can call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-7827. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. 
Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Dare to care. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We can all use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment and register for free. Try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, we've been talking about calamities and disasters, but now let's just lighten it up and have a little bit more fun. Wine is the most healthful and most hygienic of beverages. That was according to Louis Pasteur, and I really couldn't agree more. We're going to talk about some California harvest because wherever you travel in California, you're going to witness miles and miles of beautiful vineyards from literally from the top of California to the bottom of California and actually if you actually it's the whole west coast you can go drive up through Oregon and and um, Washington and also just see vineyards everywhere and over 90% of all the way the wine made in America is produced right here in our California Golden State. The cultivation of Vitis vinifera dates back to the Neolithic period more than 7,000 years ago. And grape growing and the making of wine are actually as old as civilization itself. Now, how did it start in California? Well, you've probably all heard of Father Unipera Serra. He planted the first vineyard at Mission San Diego Alcala in 1779, and the Spanish continued planting grapes at each of their 21 missions that they founded to provide wine for the mass and the masses. The gold rush is what really ushered in a time of great demand for wine as prospectors and settlers increased the population of California, and that, of course, was in 1849. That's why the San Francisco 49ers are called the 49ers. It's because 1849 was the year of the gold rush. Now, the area where I am, which we call La Marinda, became a wine region in 1880 when the Trelut brothers became squatters at the top of Bollinger Canyon. They cultivated grapes and they readied the wine. I think that's just hysterical that they squatted on land, grew grapes, and then sold it and made wine. What a great idea. 
1887, Theodore Wagner, which is known as Wagner Ranch, they supplied grapes to immigrant Italians in San Francisco's North Beach. And then by 1907, Serafino Rossi would make the four to five hour trek to Oakland over a road called Fish Ranch Road from a little town called Lafayette to sell his grapes and his produce. Now, what's so incredible now, 100 years later, it's 2017, that four to five hour trek that he would make takes a total of about 12 minutes. (laughs) So that's what making freeways and tunnels did, uh, reducing four to five hours to about 12 minutes. In the late 19th century, there was a parasite that feeds on and destroys the roots of vines. It's called phloxfera, and it it infested the vineyards. Then came the National Prohibition Act of 1919, and talk about uprooting vineyards, destroying cellars. This law outlawed the sale and consumption of alcohol. So between the phloxfera and the Prohibition Act, They were two major calamities that absolutely collapsed the wine industry throughout America. And the resurgence for the demand in California wines didn't really occur until after 1976. That's a long time when California wines won the top awards for both reds and white varietals in a blind tasting at the historic upheaval competition against the best of the Bordeaux vintages. It was known as the Judgment of Paris. And of course, that happened in Paris, France. And that was began the renaissance of viticulture in California. Now, here in La Marinda, Armature farmers started experimenting with growing grapes again. The climates and the microclimates are protected from the coastal cooling. The the slopes are carved from young sedimentary rock. The soil's content is mostly clay. Sunshine is abundant. And the drainage is satisfactory for grapes. And most of the homes are built on larger lots. So small vineyards began to flourish. Now, of course... I grew up in the vineyards of Napa County, and when I first came to this area called La Marinda, I heard about a vineyard that was called Captain Vineyards, and I thought the name was just a charming play of viticulture publicity because my grandfather had been the king of publicity for Behringer Brothers, and he had used you know all kinds of things to bring the movie stars like Clark Gable and Carol Lombard and Charles Lawton and the Marx Brothers and... Marilyn Monroe and all those big people that were from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, um, and I guess 60s too as well, up to Napa Valley. But then I learned that the name Captain was actually the surname of the owner, Sal and Susan, who moved to this area in the 1980s to raise their four children. And Sal was a vice president, an engineer, and a researcher for a multinational medical device company, and his wife Susan was a homemaker, carpooling, volunteering, juggling kids. You know, she was just a hands-on mom. But they were both wine aficionados, and they had traveled extensively to many wine regions of the world. And when they moved to this area, they realized that the hillside that they had purchased possessed the perfect terroir, which means soil, slope, climate, to grow grapes. 
Now, Susan had a BS in statistics, and she really admired farmers. She loved the farming culture, and she decided to go to work to learn as much as possible about enology and viticulture, taking classes at University of California at Davis, at Sonoma City College, Napa Community College, as well as attending symposiums and conferences in all these related subjects. And then the captains decided to form friendships with vintners from many states and many countries, and it wasn't long before they were learning very quickly. Now, their idea was to follow the cultivating techniques from Tuscany, from the French Rhone Valley, and of course from the German Heidelberg region, as well as Napa Valley, because their hillside acreage was planted on a 20 to 35 percent slope. Now, what that did, it, it ensured 10 hours of summer sunlight, excellent drainage, and soil erosion prevention. The rows and the vines of the six red varietals that they grow, they grow Pinot Noir, Petit Sirar, Grenache, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Petit Verdot and Cab Franc, they were established in what's called a 3 by 5 matrix with vine spur trained to limit production to less than 5 pounds per vine, which would result in a complexity of flavor and body. And then they wanted to be dry farmers, just as my family were. And the grapes rely on rainfall or just minimal watering just to keep the grapes alive, but not to increase production. And when you dry farm, it results in a bolder rich, very wonderful uh, character. And the other thing, it was important to orient the vineyard to the topography and maintain aesthetics. So soil characteristics are never adjusted with chemicals. And synthetic pesticides or herbicides are not used. They're never recommended. And all vineyard and winery waste and output is recycled back to the soil. So It was interesting that even though Sal would consult with other people who wanted to plant a vineyard, he'd talk more of them out of it. And then the La Mirinda Wine Growers Association was established in 2005 to create a community of people who shared a passion for grape growing and winemaking. And finally, in 2016, the AVA, which is the American Viticultural Area, that is a, a... a, a, a nomiculture, it was given to this area. So it's very exciting that the area I'm in has its own AVA. We make our own wine. And if a winery needs other grapes to blend with their wine, it's allowed as long as the grape content is less than 15%. And that protects the unique qualities and individuality of a region. And that goes with all um AVAs. And now is harvest time. And you, you know, harvesting is a combination of science and taste. When the grape skins are soft, the seeds are brown and country and crunchy, the berries exude this really elusive bouquet of blackberry and plum and blueberry. And once the sugar contact or the bricks has been measured, and they're never more than 24, because if they get to 24 bricks or above, the alcohol buzz is overpowering, then the harvest commences with clusters picked by hand. So right now, People who are interested in picking grapes in the La Mirinda region can contact Captain Vineyards and they are having a few more weekends of picking and they provide lunch and wine and breakfast and that great experience of being a farmer. And then after the grapes, 
um, are only the fruit that possesses the necessary esters, acids, and tannins to make a consistent and stable wine. And the acidity, flavor, and sweetness, they have to be perfectly balanced. And that's where the wine master comes in. And all I can say is um, that the Greek god of grapes wine and winemaking and his Roman counterpart Bacchus they raise their mutual glasses and in admiration for a visit to the vineyards of California so salute per tutti and remember what Benjamin Franklin said the discovery of a wine is of greater moment than the discovery of a constellation the universe is already too full of stars (laughs) so I wish you a happy glass of wine thanks for being my listeners and being here with me every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific coming to you live on the Voice America Network the Empowerment Channel to make a donation to Be The Star You Are visit BeTheStarYouAre.org more information about me can be found at CynthiaBryan.com or about Star Style Productions. I will hope that we have inspired and motivate you, and I hope that, that our world ceases to be such uh, filled with chaos. Let's fill it with more joy and peace. And until next week when we celebrate once again, remember, love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I am Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Smile more this week and help a friend. Be safe, be happy, and be here. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. Keep caring. Keep caring. Keep star you are.